Today we are continuing our series on mindfulness and mindfulness-based stress reduction. Today we're focusing on teens, teens and stress and the use of mindfulness-based stress reduction, also known as MBSR. I will be speaking with Gina Beagle, a psychotherapist who teaches mindfulness-based stress reduction and has adapted the MBSR program for teens. She created Stress Teens using the MBSR program, calling it MBSR-T, and it's offered in various settings online and through a workbook she wrote entitled The Stress Reduction Workbook for Teens, Mindfulness Skills to Help You Deal with Stress. Gina, welcome to Health Currents Radio. Thank you. Welcome uh, as well. <laughs> well, let's start with being a teen. I can remember. It's exciting because you've got a lot more, oh, freedom and you feel a certain sense of potency, but it's also really stressful. So I wondered if we could just start by you talking to us about teens and stress because everyone has it and that isn't the problem. It's how we deal with it. And I love your definition of stress as S equals P times B. You want to tell us about that? Sure, I'd love to. Um, this actually came as an adaption from Shinsen Young, who created um, some years back the human theorems of of kindness and compassion and such. And um, I found the original um, equation was difficult for adults um, to understand, and and so as well as teens. So I found a way for them to um, look at pain in a different framework. So pain being that which we, you know, you break an arm or a leg, you have a headache, it's going to have physical pain. And then I include in pain, emotional pain, such that, you know, breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend or not getting into the college that you wanted to, or having a big blowout with your parents. And that, yes, you're going to have pain in life, but what you do with it, such that the blocking um, is a term I've chosen is what you do with the pain is going to either increase or decrease your stress. And given that teens have a, um, you know, our math and are familiar most of the time with the X and Y axis, you can actually plot this and um, plot, you know, your stress level and um, it, the overall stress by looking at the X axis would be, you know, I have pain from zero to 100 units. And then on um, the y-axis is blocking from zero to 100 units. And what do you, how do you, you that you can't necessarily change your pain. There's going to be events that are painful. And um, it's what you do with it that is important. Um, one aside is that pain is something in our society, I find often is something we either cling to or push away. And that it is okay to be in a little bit of pain. Um, obviously, I don't wish pain on anybody, but it is a natural part of being human. And therefore, if we can learn how to just sit with pain and not sit with it in such a way like don't do anything with it. I mean, you can make active steps to... Um, you know, active steps in a positive cope with positive coping strategies. It's when we use negative coping strategies, what I include in the blocking. So that would be, I should have done this. I could have done this. Why didn't I do this? You know, second guessing yourself, um, really pushing away an event as if it didn't happen or it doesn't exist or really clinging to an event as if it was, um, 
something much larger than it is. So we give a lot of power to things in our life. Um, as parents and adults or in any form of an adult, we do this as well. And what's really nice is you can literally plot and see how much stress you can you have when you multiply multiply um, the pain um, and the blocking, mm -hmm. it, where you can see what your units of stress are. And so what I have teens do is figuring out, okay, what are you doing that you can change? So let's just say, for example, I you know someone breaks up with someone or. Another example that was a good one is, you know, someone posted something on, you know, on a social networking site that um, is a negative thing for them, you know, or my secret, you know, my, my, my best friend, like put up my secret, I told her not to say anything, you know, right. And so um, what, what I do is explain that, okay, the event happened, it's going to cause you units of pain, even if they cause you the same units of pain, what do you do with it? How do you manage it? Do you go and check your, you know, Facebook status 20 times to see if, you know, something's, you know, if you're in a relationship, did that person change something? Is that person now seeing someone else or, or my, or in the situation with, um, you know, someone sharing a secret that they didn't want shared, did someone else respond to it or, you know, and, and so then it's like, okay, well maybe you don't need to go on and check x amount of time so that's a shift and or maybe you don't need to you can you know not stay in your room if you're isolating yourself as much or figuring out all the things are the judgments that you're putting on yourself well i shouldn't have told her this or i shouldn't have done this you know and and what happens is teens can literally see that they're reducing their stress even if they're not reducing the pain mm. as a closing to the S equals P times B would be that it is really about having patience and also the learning about impermanence, that things change. And I think that a lot of times, um, anyone for that matter, teens or adults, you know, you get very hung up in the moment in an event and, and realizing this too shall pass, so to right. speak. So I just wanted to, to put that in there as well, because I think teaching patience and impermanence in at a younger age is really helpful as they move forward into um, higher education and into um, into the workforce. So we're really talking about, and it happens to all of us grownups too, but especially teens because everything's changing so quickly, that, that kind of glomming on or attachment to something so tightly that actually starts to really cause the sensation of it, it augments the pain, correctly? I mean, I know I've had that experience myself. And uh, so it sounds like you're really giving them some tools to first recognize it and see how they interact. But then how are you working with them? I notice a lot in your book you talk about, it just as it happens in MBSR, talking about being in touch with the sensations in the body, really noticing where you're feeling it, et cetera. Is that a tool that you employ with that? What I was finding is that teens needed something to really hold on to when it came to well what is mindfulness and what is this thing you're teaching me and and the real true base base to all of these things all of this that we're talking about is well how do i how can i be present in the moment and aware and i find that the one of the best ways to do this is really just paying attention to your senses. And it sounds simple, but if you are paying it, it can be de deceptively simple. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you can, if I can get a teen to really notice what they're seeing, feeling, 
smelling, hearing, you know, all these things in literally that this very moment that oftentimes is letting me know that they're not stuck in something that happened or is going to happen. Because right. that's where a lot of our thoughts and judgments are really present is, is those, those moments of what did I do or what should I do? Which I think for teens is, is, is fantastic because I remember part of being a teenager is everything is so extraordinary when you experience it. <laughs> You know, so to That's be a, a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it just is. You know, and so to keep uh, keep kids away from the the high stimulation stimulation thing like drinking and drugs and all that kind of stuff, to actually get in touch with the body and realize that you can feel things and it can be so intensely something, whatever it is. It's, also, it's, noticing your breath is like a huge thing because I think teens often don't realize that the breath just naturally occurs with our body and our rhythm of our body and tuning into the breath without needing to change it is a big thing for teens and same with silence um you know being being okay with being in a little bit of silence that's a very new concept for a lot of teens that are in a media filled very stimulatic environment right i mean I, I wanted to talk with you about that because because of how quickly the brains are changing and hormones are changing and just all the input that teens are getting, you know, whether it be emotional, familial, financial, then there's, you know, the whole social component, media, computers, texts, phones, blah, 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 all the time. And it was hard enough before all of that. Exactly. So how are you how are you working with that? Because I'm, I'm sure that comes up a lot. You know, social media is a whole new it is. thing. I think it's a twofold process in which us parents, teachers, therapists, adults need to be present and aware that being a teen is harder today than when we were teens because of all the items that are available to them, such as a smartphone or the, the you know, all the different ways that they can connect with other people that prevents them from being in the present moment in the here and the now. Um, I I would say, though, that you can use these items mindfully, such that perhaps you, uh, you know, look at your text before you um, read, you know, you send it, you can reread it, you can, um, you know, I think taking a pause before you hit tweet something Mm -hmm. or, you know, all those things I think can, you can bring this mindful pause, so to speak, before someone, um, someone actually hits the send button, so to speak. Uh, I would say the second part is that we have, if we can meet a teen where they are and understand that we don't know what it's like for a teen today. Mm -hmm. There are things, yes, we, that are very similar amongst the decades with teens. Um, You know, that is obvious, but I, I believe that's a very different generation. It's a very, make things better and quick generation. Mm-hmm. So we actually, as adults, we have to really, we have to take stop and take a pause and observe and listen and breathe. And, and so we can find out more about, you know, what it is like to be alive and young in these days. Well, I think it's hard um, if we don't. I, I think we also, um, you know, we model for teens. So if we're on our smartphone, you know, all night and we're asking a teen not to be, I, I'm not saying you can't do that or that you shouldn't, maybe you need to because of work or for whatever reason, 
but um, the more time we can have in 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 vivo live conversation, for example, in families, um, is really really important and something I feel that's getting missed as we become a media saturated community. Well, I love that you've you've embraced technology so much so that you've created an iPhone app called Take a Chill. You want to tell us about that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's what my favorite part about it is it gives there's an option on to have little reminders um, and you can choose the the time in which you would like to receive them with little um, quotes or phrases to really just help you guide you along in the day to, you know, take a breath, notice how you're feeling, send love to yourself, um, just very um, positive messages to kind of gently come back to the moment and the present. And what's nice about that is even for adults and for the te teens alike, when we get caught in something during our day and we get this reminder, it's like, oh, okay, let me bring myself back. It kind of reminds me of a, you know, an anchor in, in a boat, right? If, if our boat, we drop our anchor and our boat, you know, is, is going uh, astray with the waves or in, in the, the parallel and stress in our day, if we are pulled back by the anchor such that the, the app can um, bring you back to the present moment into your anchor of your breath or to the body, and it will can shift um, the the intensity of perhaps the stressful moment that you might be having or just reinforce what you're trying to do in your life of being in the here and now. Well, that's just a wonderful way to practice mindfulness in everyday life, really using your smartphone to help you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? It's like, how do we go with what is? And mm -hmm. it's definite that we are, we're living in a techno technological community of, of a whole bunch of different um, items. I'm not um, a computer guru, but I definitely feel like if you can meet a teen where they are at such that they're going to use their phone, they're going to, you know, so why, why not meet them where they're at? Right. So you've been working with teens doing MBSR with them for about nine, almost 10 years, it, it seems like. And so what, what are the benefits that you're noticing when you're working with them, the, the transformation that's happening? The effects of mindfulness-based stress reduction for teens and the Stress Teens program are very wide-ranging. Um, it's very much so that it's a psycho psychological component um, such that a lot of mental health benefits and well-being um, changes the ability to regulate your emotions better, focus and pay attention better to the task at hand. Um, I would love to share that I find that it is equally as helpful for those in outpatient mental health, so those who see a therapist or in the classroom. And um, I recently just had a conversation with someone who actually teaches pretty much solely in school. And they said, well, how does this program work in the schools? Like, how can it work? You know, because your program, when you first started teaching, were to those in an outpatient mental health clinic. And I said, they're the same students. They're the same teens. The teens in our homes, the teens in our schools, and the teens in mental health are the same. And in fact, I, I feel like it's, uh, it becomes like this separatist opinion as like their teens, someone else's teen, you know, not my kid. And the truth is, is that it's every kid has some level of stress and that's a natural function of being human. And it's, 
it's the kids in our classrooms and that are suffering. I mean, I think it is statistically um, four out of or five out of 10 people who need mental health. It, it's a pretty large percentage need mental health treatment aren't aren't getting mental health treatment so they are the kids in our classrooms and so a lot of the burden is put on the teachers to manage mental health issues that they are not necessarily trained in but are being put to the test to train you know have to just go on the front lines and deal with it and I don't say that in such a negative way but I wanted to point out that um that the program works for all teens and and not only in eight weeks but it works for those you know you could i i always say give what you give what you got if you have an hour you have five minutes you have eight weeks you can ask your students in class or your your children at home to you know notice the breath to be aware of the moment i i like this thing called the highs and lows this is something that isn't in my book um, I like to, it's called a check-in. And so when I start a, one of my eight-week classes uh, or in any setting, I often, if that is more than one time, I will often ask um, a teen to share their high and low for the week. And it's really a nice time to, for me to get, like, to kind of see the this, this status of how how's the room doing if I'm teaching a group of people, of teens, you know, or how... How is what is taking a pulse of the community, so to speak, and learning that sometimes a high for someone is a low for someone else, or sometimes an event can be both a low and a high, you know, and that you know positive moments in your life can cause stress too. Um, I don't want to divert too much from your question, so back to the point of asking me, um, you know, how have people responded? I find that teens in general respond very well to this. In fact, I have found that I, I, I believe that teens are very much more open to it than adults, to be truthful. I feel like they're less, their teens are very judgmental beings, but they're judgmental in different ways. They're judgmental about their appearance or, um, uh, you know, many factors, how they're perceived by others, so to speak. But they don't really judge the the the, learn, the teachings in this program, and I feel like they're sponges for it to learn it, to take it in, and to really apply it to their life. But I say when I've said a few times in this, in this interview is that you need to meet teens where they're at, mm-hmm. and I would say that you need to adapt. Um, you know how long you ex- you ask a teen to sit in silence, how long you ask them to be- to really pay attention to a formal practice, so to speak. And what I like to do is really notice, um, have teens notice their their senses, as we s- just spoke about previously, in in all the things they do. So the informal practice to the program, such that what hobbies they're involved in or after school sports or you're going to do homework. How does it feel to touch your pen or pencil to, or your fingers on the computer to the you know paper or the computer screen? And, you know, how do you bring awareness of your senses to everything a teen does? So teens are busy from the moment they wake up till the moment they go to bed. And this is something I have found very accurate amongst most teens, if not all. And it's how do you, you know, just ask about their life, learn about what's important to them, and then bring mindfulness to that instead of asking them to shape their world to you. And um, I also think it's not, it's not a big secret. I think keeping it from 
like mindfulness is some big thing like that ooh mindfulness it's like no it's it's about paying attention right in the present moment focusing you know i just talked to daniel goleman about it and i was like how do we, how do you would you suggest um defining mindfulness for teens and he's like well why don't you just talk about it in a sense of focusing because really the truth is, is i don't know about when you were younger but when i was in class and if someone told me to pay attention it it usually wasn't a positive thing so you right. like attention to the board or you're in trouble. So <laughs> it's it's about, you know, how do we focus? And and I also think mindfulness, another word for it is humanness. And I being human and having the qualities that make us a good friend, um, a good person to ourselves, all of those things are the qualities of living in in the daily life and how do you bring integrity to yourself and to those you interact with. That's such a very beautiful way to put it. And, and also I, I can just, I can really go back just for myself personally, remember being a teen and it was such a relief to have someone in my school, my te a teacher who took the focus off of all the external stuff and allowed us to just settle into ourselves. And, you know, even if you do it privately and you're not doing anything too, too unusual in regards to the rest of the group, but to have the opportunity to, for people to tune into themselves, for teens to tune into themselves in a, in a way that's simple, like you said, becoming more human, more focused, more attentive to themselves is a great gift you're giving them. So, Can I uh, add something to sure. that? Sure. Uh, so I have given a number of talks over the years to a wide variety of adult audiences. And one thing I have found to be helpful is if you're an adult listening to this right now, to think back if you can and think of someone who's made a difference for you. And in audiences, I'll often have everyone raise their hand until everyone has thought of a person. It could be a teacher a, a coach, a friend, family friend, anybody that made the difference for you. Have you thought of someone yourself? Oh, yeah. So once the hand's raised, I usually ask then a person to then turn their hand to themselves and to their heart and to, to let them know that they can, they are that person if they want to be for someone else. Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity as adults to make a difference in the lives of youth today. If we give, if we open ourselves up to our hearts or if we are respectful to the teens, if, you know, once you think of the person who's made a difference for you and think, wow, I'm now in that position to be that for someone, that person for someone else and take that responsibility on. I think it's, it's hugely important because a lot of time in the community we're pushing, you know, the, the blame factor or who's responsible for this teen or this person. And if we stop doing that and we just consider, okay, we're all responsible and there's no blame. Just if someone's learning the same great skills at home and in school, well, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the more the merrier. So I just wanted to put that out there because I also, as much as I find the program helpful it's the person that's teaching the program or the skills that is, is as important as if if not more important than the program itself well thank you so much it's just so great you're out there doing it and working with teenagers and i want to tell our listeners that if you want to learn more about what gina beagle is doing you can go to her website at stressed teens 
www.thepeacekeepers.com. And there you'll find a, a, a big group of resources. You can register for online courses she teaches. You can learn about trainings for individuals, parents, or professionals. And she has a workbook and mindfulness CDs as well. Gina, again, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.